and welcome to the Respectfully Podcast. I'm Nikki Pope, your host for this hairdressing conversation. My guests for this episode are Kerry Cushion, who is Art Director at Metropolis Hairdressing in Kingston-on-Thames, just near London, and a Brandmaster Artist for Revlon Professional. Kerry is a colourist and educator and has joined us at Colour World nearly every year since it started in 2016. We're joined by one of my colleagues here at Respect for Hair, the editor of Colour World, Renee Myberg, who looks after the website, social media and the event itself. With Kerry, Renee and I will be talking about the world of colour and what is changing in 2023. Hello and welcome to the Respect for the podcast studio, Kerry Cushion and Renee Myberg. Thank you, nice to see you both. Hello, lovely to see you. So Renee has stepped through from her desk next door as the editor of Colour World. I thought it would be great to include her in this conversation. And Kerry, you've come to see us from, you're based in Kingston, Kingston. on Thames at Metropolis. Yep. You've been there a long time. Um, I'm trying to work out how many years, 14 I think. Wow. Yeah, Gosh. it feels longer. <laughs> <laughs> So it just just for our listeners, just give us a little sort of where you are in the hairdressing industry. What you sort of you know what your what's the working week like for you? Yeah. What? Okay. So a working week is for me is actually pretty standard. Five days a week in the salon, colouring and cutting clients, and then outside the salon, obviously we have a lot of show work. Uh, we do a lot of education. Um, we even do crazy art projects, as you know, with Robert. Yeah. So that's the other side of being a colorist. But my main working week is actually predominantly with clients in the salon. salon. Yes. So with Robert Masquiar, who I was associate um, his name and the Metropolis name with quite sort of avant-garde, quite experimental, fantastic creations. And mm -hmm. I think you've done a lot with wigs and things in the past. Yeah. You? You're yeah. quite um, comfortable. Yeah. Um, I've been colouring wigs since back in the day before Metropolis so we have a big base of um, customers that just solely pop their wigs in for mm. colour refreshes and blow dries it's like a whole other service which runs alongside Wow, and do you fun. have a hairdressing family background or are you the first hairdresser? I'm the first hairdresser, I actually did a law degree Oh, oh wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> How I ended up a hairdresser. Are useful? What a useful I person to I don't know. Um, but no, my mum was a nurse. Um, no, not a creative soul in the family wow. <laughs> until I came along. Came along. And yeah. has it always been the cut? So you cut and colour, but colour is your real sort of. Yeah, we passion. all cut and colour. Uh, Robert doesn't colour, so that means a lot of his colour work falls to me. Um, I wouldn't like to specialise in one thing. I like to do both, but yeah. colour is my main, I'd say probably 75% of my day is colour work. And do you have a sort of signature style, a signature, this is this is my sort of Kerry I think with, with the salon where I am in Kingston, with our clientele, it's quite hard to have a niche in colour because we have such a varied clientele from 18 to 80. So I think probably if I did have a style, it would be in my consultation and in um, the way I format a colour for a specific client rather than just a particular niche that I repeat. Yeah. It's quite difficult when you've got a really varied clientele mm. to you know specify in one particular yeah, one way area. of colouring. 
So it's kind of a broad spectrum, really. And I think it's interesting. So, Renee, the colour that you see people doing at events like Colour World on the inside, the industry side, yeah. do you think people have any idea that that goes on? <laughs> the sort of the girl in the street. Do you think she. Yeah, that's a good question. I think, what do you find? Do you find that people are coming in doing more, you know, balayage standard highlights, or do you think it's becoming a bit more creative and people are getting a bit more exciting? I with think with. Um, I've always said social media is a double-edged sword. Um, initially, it drove me crazy that you'd have people bringing in a picture of a pure white bob and expect, done that. Yeah, expect their hair to look that way, not realising that it has a million filters and various other things. But now I think social media's turned again, especially since the lockdown, yeah. in that it, it's more transparent and I really love that it now shows the process of colouring yes. a lot more. Yeah. And now I have clients coming in and they'd like to be blonde, but they understand that there's a process of yeah. getting there, which I think in the past people didn't. Mm. So well, and it's I interesting think you should say that, yeah. Kerry, because you joined us on a podcast in 2018. Mm -hmm. You were episode number five in the Respectfully <laughs> Library, if anybody wants to jump back over and have a look at it. And you did see, you did tell us at that point that you were seeing a lot of people coming into the salon with, with um, images mm. that, on the one hand, were helping build the market but they're bringing in um, expectations, which mm -hmm. are really unrealistic. So that's interesting you should say then, you think in the last four or five years that's tempered now? People I think there's definitely more. been a shift more to um, the consumer understanding the process of hair colouring because it's just so readily available on social media. You see the stages that yeah. you go from dark to blonde and they understand that it's not always possible. So I think it's really shifted back in our favour almost, mm. that things are definitely more realistic with clientele, they're more patient right. and they have a better understanding and of course they want their hair to be healthy moving forward. So I think overall that's definitely changed back initially to the you know Kim Kardashian blonde bob mm. picture which yeah. just every hairdresser dreads. <laughs> <laughs> take it away, take that out of my sight. People are worried more about or, or more preoccupied with the condition of their hair, mm -hmm. but equally innovation and colour products have got better, so it's actually easier to look mm -hmm. after the condition of hair mm -hmm. for the most part. As a colourist, what do you what do you see that's changed? That have there been any real game changers for you? Um, for me, I think obviously our range of colours is a lot more varied than it was years ago with things like pastels, metallics, which is great. And now there's a lot more emphasis on keeping hair healthy. Yeah. So you have all the bond uh, multipliers and the conditioners. Um, and clients are a lot more aware of the health of their hair as well. Again, I think this also comes from a two-year lockdown where hair was just allowed to do its own thing. Mm -hmm. And I think people have been reluctant to go back to this over-processed, yeah. over-coloured hair. Um, but something that's been a really a real game changer for us is recently we um, took on a cortex and scalp camera, which is quite wow, a new service for us. Yeah. And I'm completely obsessed with it. I mean, literally, if you sit still long enough, I'm going to scan your hair with this camera because it's initially made to show um, scalp and the follicle. But actually, if you slide it down the hair, it can show patches of porosity in the hair that you don't necessarily see with your eye. Right. And that can explain why maybe a client's colour is fading in certain areas more than others. Right. And you can really tailor your colour mix in accordance to the health of their hair where you might 
use a gloss on the length rather than a permanent colour or maybe the hair's patchy and you actually can see the hair, it's hollow but there's colour inside, it's fascinating to see um, and it shows all the little breakage and tears and it shows any pieces of colour that are missing and that for me has been amazing, especially when it comes to terms of, of redheads and coppers that do fade. It's been a real game changer really in actually it's, seeing that, yeah. It is, isn't it? Because Renee, you and I saw at um, the Colour World event a lot of, of emphasis on the sort of bond building. Mm -hmm. Definitely, we yeah. had brands like um, Olaplex and K18 and lots of mm. brands talking about it and the, the conversation about these plexes, if you like, mm -hmm. that we weren't even having yeah. a few years ago. Do you think it puts um, a lot of pressure, Kerry, on colourists having to be more scientific, having to understand better, or do you think colourists always did understand? I think it puts more, more pressure on um, a colourist explaining to the consumer why these um, bond multipliers are so important. Because I have customers now that come in and they'll ask, they'll say, oh, I, I saw this product, K18, mm. it looks amazing, well, can I buy it? And they, they want to understand why it works. Mm. So I think it has forced us all to be, you know, go back to basics and be a bit more scientific with our colour mixing and what colour actually does to the hair itself and yeah. why it reacts that way. Whereas in the past, you would just have somebody, they'd, they'd want a different colour and they wouldn't think about the science behind it. No. So again, I think it's a, it's a good thing. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to be more informed. How do you, so you've, you've been in the industry for a while um, <laughs> as a colourist, working in a very exciting ways, very visible ways. I know you do, you travel, you do shows, educate. How do you keep yourself motivated? Challenged. Challenged. What gives you your motivated. mojo every... I like to watch everything. Yeah. I'm constantly watching, not necessarily other colourists, but just fashion, beauty. Um, and then I like to learn and trial and error. And I'm constantly trying to just learn as much as I can with the wigs, with the way you colour wigs is completely different to how you'd colour an actual head of hair. And just learning as much as I can about how colour reacts with um, different types of hair and then teaching that to the team. So how does it differ on, on wigs? Wig hair? Wig uh, hair. I mean, uh, obviously there's a difference if it's human hair wig or if it's, if it's um, synthetic. Well, I find colouring, colouring wig hair is obviously before the hair is actually on the wig, it's been heavily processed already to get it to that point. So, for example, a colour can take half an hour glossing on a human head of hair can take five minutes on mm. a human hair wig because wow. everything is speeded up right um again you get the whole porosity issue where obviously every hair on the wig is not from the same person so some will be more porous than others and you literally have to stand there as it's developing and check constantly okay. because it can in two minutes you can have a disaster and, and I think that's quite, yeah. Is it, is it more brittle, the hair? Or it can it... be more brittle, yeah. yeah. It can react definitely um, to pre-lighteners and bleaching. It's not a great idea mm. on, on any processed hair or extensions anyway. Yeah. And you also see a different level of fade. Um, and it's just it's quite different. It's quite a different process, yeah. Yeah. Oh. So I try and keep on my toes with all and that. And do a lot of um, colourists use... 
and oh, are people scared of using um, wigs? Do you find that people can be quite scared of I using I think wigs? at first it can be quite challenging because mm. just the very nature of it, if you're not used to handling hair extensions, it can feel so alien. Obviously everything about it's different. The, if it's on a lace base, then you obviously need to apply the colour but not stain the lace. Mm. It's just, a, yeah, it's quite a different process to colouring so in, uh, for obvious reasons, in the, in the last few years, we've seen a lot more um, work on doll heads, mm -hmm. um, which is great, you know, double, you know, there's two sides to that conversation. Mm. Do, as, a, as a sort of senior, very experienced master colourist, do you look at colour work on a doll head with a different mindset? Like if you were judging, say, say mm. a judging composite competition, and you've got a live model and a work done on a doll head, if that's requiring a different kind of skill, do you assess it in a different way? Um, I mean, it can be, it's a difficult one because there's some doll heads available now, that are quite expensive doll heads that, I mean, anybody could make them look good. They're beautifully designed, the hair sits perfectly, you don't come across any of the discrepancies that you might on a human hair model, like yeah. double crowns or, you know, an odd hairline. Yeah. And I think it's quite easy to make a doll head, like an up to on a doll head, quite easy to do and quite easy to make it look very good. Yeah. Where on a human head, that same style would be 20 times more difficult. Yeah. Um, colour work, I think, obviously, the technique is still there, so you can't take that away. If it's a gorgeous technique, then it's a gorgeous technique. Yeah. And that still needs to be executed well, even on a doll head. So I really appreciate that colouring a doll head, if you've created a whole colour placement, mm. then that's that's yeah. absolutely, I mean that's not easy to do. Yeah. And if it's done well, but you've just removed the complexity of having an actual head of hair in front of you, yeah. which might not enable the technique to go as smoothly as you wanted, whereas on a doll head you know exactly... So yeah, there's, yeah. like you say, there's, there's it's, it's too easier I mean, and more difficult. Yeah. I, think. I mean, for yeah. years we've complained about people being able to qualify without actually working on a human head. Mm. So mm. It, I was just interested um, how that kind of plays into to what's happening now. This is something that customers ask all the time because obviously, again, going back to social media, they watch the salon, they watch what we do, they you know, and they always mm. ask questions about the awards, and then you tell them it's it's photographs, and they just they just can't seem to get their heads around that. Like, well, you don't actually have to do someone's hair while somebody judges. I'm yeah. Saying, no, and that's something that they they really struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. Hair pieces. They are just sort of different skills, really. I think. I mean, going back to sort of hair competitions like the British Hairdressing Awards, I think to make a wig look good in a photo obviously take out any photoshopping just to make the actual wig look good in a photo is a skill in itself mm. it's not easy no um you, you would be much making your life much easier to find a model willing to have that hair yeah. <laughs> so i mean i you know there is a skill there is a skill to it mm. i just for me it's more um it's the doll heads that drives me a little bit crazy because a wig you have to fit to suit a face like yeah. you would with a haircut yeah and it has to look natural and not look like a wig mm. Whereas yeah, some the of these doll head. heads are just gorgeous to look at and that instantly sways you. You yeah. see the face of the doll yeah. and that's already... Yeah. And that's, you can't that's make that doll look bad. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, it's so interesting. It's Another question that I wanted to ask, are trends in colour useful? 
So mm-hmm. I'll come to you, Renee, first. As the editor at Colour World, you're receiving lots of trends, directions, lots of press releases, yeah. um, comments from people. Do you see people being colourists, I mean, the industry being quite focused on trends? Do you think it's helpful? I think relatively, but then I also have conversations where people are like, I, don't, I had no idea what that trend was until I looked it up. So then there's that, mm. yeah, again, yeah, like yeah. double-ended thing of like, you know, you really do keep on top of the trends as much as you can, yeah, but then yeah. consumers come to you with a TikTok trend they've seen and they're like, oh, I think bottleneck bangs is quite a yeah, good example. Yeah, yeah. It is something that is something else, but they name it, you know, X. And yeah. um, in that sense, yes, we do see trends a lot, but they are... Um, name different things and um you can't always keep on top of everything so yeah I don't know how you find trends exactly exactly what you say for me I think trends are crucial because you know in a salon what you want is consumers in your chair and trends do that they bring people in Mm. um you'll get some customers that absolutely have to have every single trend Mm -hmm. that comes their way and you have others that might ask about trends but they don't specifically follow trends but you do need trends because without trends, you don't have, growth. you know, people, you don't have growth. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the jargon, it's the names mm. that drive me insane. <laughs> it's the bouillage, balayage, sombre, ombre. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. then it gets difficult because somebody will come and they'll say, oh, I had somebody a while ago, a few years ago, should I saw something on YouTube and I want, I want to have that done. But it's not layers. I don't want you to cut layers. I just want you to cut angles. <laughs> so it's okay. okay. What do you actually mean? Uh, yeah. She's describing, and she's describing like heavily layered hair. And she showed me the video, and it was just an American lady, and it's just jargon. that thing. It's it's angles. It's not layers. Don't ask for layers. Ask for angles. And she was so focused that she had to have angles that by the end of the appointment, I'm sa- I'm saying angles too. <laughs> and it's, yeah, yeah, it's the, I think it gets super confusing as well for young stylists and young colorists. Like you could have somebody that comes in and they want to have a balayage because they've heard of balayage, but really what they want is a classic head of highlights. Mm, yeah. And then they get given a balayage and... Don't like the result. And again, that comes back to super detailed consultations. Well, that's um, the very essence of colour, yeah, isn't it? Even, it is. you know, what, even the names, yeah. the colours mean different things to different people. Exactly. It always has to be consultations with visuals yeah. as yes. much as you can. I, like, I never, ever complain if customers bring photos. They'll say, oh, I've got a photo. It must be so annoying. And I'll say, no, bring me a hundred photos, what you like, what you don't yeah. like. Um, because just it's red hair, for example, can mean a million mean different, different things. Different people. Yeah. Do you like it when people say, Kerry, do you like it when people say, I don't mind, you do what you think? Or does it, is that actually worse? I do, I do, I do and I don't, because again, what I think might not be anything like what they yeah. have mm. in mind. Um, I think it's nice to have a, a client that's a little bit more open to what you think would suit them but yeah. before going ahead and doing that I think we'd always chat a bit more yeah. and the reason I ask for sometimes a few a few more pictures than one is I find that sometimes somebody feature picks a feature on one photograph when really it's not the hair color that they like it's the way it's been styled yeah. Yeah. it's the yeah. waves of a balayage and they've got dead straight short bob yeah and then you have to sometimes really dig a bit deeper to make sure that 
Your is the colour what yeah. they're looking at? Are we, or yeah. are we looking at two... And often we're looking at two completely different things. And if they've bought me five photographs and there's a constant in each of the five, then that I know that's yeah. what that's what that's they helpful. mean. Mm. Yeah. So I, I, but I think everyone's different. All, yeah. all your customers are different. They have a different way of explaining what they want. But sometimes if someone does come in and say, do whatever you want <laughs> on a Saturday okay. afternoon, it, it sometimes throws me it's even like, now. And I'm like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't got the headspace for that. Yeah. Do you, and, and, and coming back to um, trends or consumer behaviour really, do you see a blending of ages more? Because perhaps arguably a few years ago 10 20 years ago there would be like this is the right hair for a 20 year old this is the right hair for a 70 year old do you think people are a bit more blended now you know you see older people saying okay i'm not going to do the gray yeah, i'm going to a fashion pink or i think yeah i think color's definitely more ageless now than it was going back even five years ago ten years ago um i mean we have i have people heading into their 40s freaking out because they're going grey thinking that's it I need to just go naturally grey and they've got like six grey hairs <laughs> yes. and I have clients in their 80s every four weeks for their colours and you know they've I think it's definitely the line is blurred I don't think there's a right and a wrong anymore and I, I think also like the older people they they have they have the finances um, to, to do that they can come and colour their hair every four yeah. or five weeks and I've got quite a lot of clients in their 70s and 80s and they're just super cool mm -hmm. and you know they know exactly what they like and they look amazing yeah and I, yeah I think that's something we probably didn't see 20 years ago yeah it's fun yeah, yeah. And it's fun yeah <laughs> and I think people talk about it more Renee would you say then your your age group without giving your age away you're in your 20s <laughs> um at the lower end of the 20s not the upper do, would you and your friends talk about hair color like I know you're interested in your own hair color but do you yeah. find generally other in your friendship group definitely yeah my, all my friends they all dye their hair whether or not it's box dye which I mm -hmm. have had strong words with <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or um, yeah a lot of them do pay a lot of money to get their hair done and to be mm. in, you know one of my best friends gets her hair coloured um, blonde and it looks amazing and she always you know and you feel so good when you come out of the hairdressers and yeah, I think that's yeah. the most that's why I try to stress to these girls that are box dyeing their hair and boys that are box dyeing their hair um, so I think it's just remembering and reminding them you know like you want to feel good and that's the mm -hmm. reason that you go to the salon I don't know if that's why do you enjoy colouring people's hair is it I think it's for that very reason yeah. just to give someone that amazing confidence as they walk out and a hair colour I mean a haircut obviously can completely change a person too yeah. but sometimes we're not born with the right hair colour that we should have yeah. you know that might be your natural tone but doesn't necessarily mean it suits you yeah no. and when you do get that right on somebody and it can just completely change a person and that's amazing yeah, yeah. when they leave and they're well if we all had lovely dollars. soft baby hair as we were born that would be one thing but it's environmental impact and you know the way we live and, mm -hmm. and mm. our health changes so you know what starts off being lovely on a kid can end up being pretty <laughs> dull and bad. yeah yeah it's true yeah and your hair changes, I think every seven years, um, your hair goes through a big change. Mm. And, you know, sometimes you have somebody say, oh, I have this photo when I was at uni. <laughs> that's 35 years ago. And your hair isn't the same hair that that it was back then. Yeah. And now we have to work with what your hair is doing moving forward. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's also, a, you know, a great reason why we have so much at our fingertips now that mm. it doesn't have to be a all over coverage of grey. You can have some grey. You can yeah. just work with the grey. And yeah. I think that's becoming more prevalent in recent years as well. Yeah, and I think the arsenal of techniques and products mm. that you've got at your at your Becca Call in one colour service, you might find yourself doing a combination of techniques. Mm -hmm. You might have highlights and balayage and. I don't know. Yeah, always, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I've run yeah. out of terms now. <laughs> <laughs> it's true, it's true. It's no longer um, a specific thing. Yeah. I mean, we, we call it colour mapping at our salon, mm. um, where you literally will map out what the hair needs. I've got a couple of clients that may have three different types of colour. It's just a root retouch, but yeah. she has the, you know something on the hairline for stubborn greys. A regular colour on the root and then a gloss in on the length. Yeah. And that's three different, three different things. Different mm. products on so one colour hair. Yeah. How do you manage it at, at your salon um, charging wise? Do you charge per service or is it like a time? We're still um, working on a time basis. So we basically, um, everyone's always horrified when I say this, we have a new client every 45 minutes regardless of what you're doing. Right. Um, it, you know, it's booked in. Yeah, wow. yeah. Gosh, especially wow. me, I can have maybe nine or ten colours a day, one after the other. <laughs> but it obviously balances out because obviously a, a full head balayage might take a little bit longer than 45 minutes and a root retouch is a little bit less and you, you balance your time. Right. Um, so we charge per service, um, right. but if we, and we always have a consultation, yeah. obviously before we book an appointment if it's a new customer and if it is something that is... A good hour and a half just to apply then we'll adjust the price accordingly and let them know yeah <clears throat> okay um but it, i mean it's a really tricky one i mean you know we've thought of the idea of you can get these scales now can't you that weigh everything yeah the way the product and then it gives you a guide on you yeah know, if you use three tubes of color as opposed to half yeah tube. i mean yeah we have we do charge extra if someone's got you know a lot of hair and we use more more color but I think that's something that definitely we could work on in the future because it's a really tricky... Yeah, it's very difficult. Mm, it is hard. How have, how have you coped since, um, you know, the price rises, the cost of living, the power? Have you adjusted prices? Have your clients been open to that? Or has that been something you've agonised over? Um, we adjusted, I think, where are we, 2023? 2021 was the first time and we did increase the prices not massively um at that point all our customers were expecting it they knew it was yeah i mean they understand mm, you know yeah. everyone's in the same boat um so we have adjusted our prices um i still think though with obviously the rising cost of everything at the yeah. moment for businesses they probably need to rise again but it's really hard because you've got everyone is suffering yeah um but we found yeah. that Clients now come less often. Mm. Right. A so six-week is... client comes every eight or nine. Right. Um, so we had a little brainstorm as a team, and we decided that we would come up with like an express service. Okay. So if a root retouch lady used to come every five weeks, 
suddenly she can only come every eight. Mm. We offer a service where they pop in and they just have the visible hairline, so they're part in and around the face. Yeah. Um, we charge £20 for that. It takes three minutes to apply, and then one of our apprentices gives them the complimentary blow dry, which right. works well with their training too. Yeah. And that's been quite popular just to help yeah. rather than clients rather search for maybe somewhere cheaper or yeah. start grabbing the box dye. Mm -hmm. I thought let's let's find yeah. something that enables them to keep their hair looking fresh but still stretch their appointment that's not gonna Yeah, that keeps them all yeah. interesting. Yeah. And um the people coming into the industry, your trainees and apprentices, is colour still very exciting and more people gravitating to wanting to do colour as well than perhaps they might have done 10, 20 years ago? Um, I think colour, yeah, is definitely more exciting um, that I've seen than cutting at the moment. Mm -hmm. I think, again, it's all because colour is such a visual thing, mm. whereas, you know, nobody wants to watch an hour haircut, it's boring. But the, the TikTok videos, yeah. the social yeah, media, the it makes colour yeah. exciting. And then you've got the, like the, um, Robert has a, as you know, a chandelier yes. in the Manta, yeah, Mandrake. The Hotel, yeah. And I coloured that. Yeah. And that's something, I, I mean, know, you know, you're a haircut, people say, oh, you're just a hair colourist. <laughs> but you end up colouring a crazy art installation at yeah, a five-star luxury hotel. Yeah. And I think that gets... All our apprentices really excited as well that you know yeah. they're just like oh wow that's amazing <laughs> what else can we color you know well definitely on your um, Instagram for the Color World week or weekend yeah. the number of visitors to the Instagram is like thousands huge isn't it? I can't remember the yeah. numbers, but yeah, considering yeah. how many people are actually there there's literally mm. thousands people are so more excited. watching it. Yeah, yeah, I think colorists are definitely having their like rock star moment. Yeah. Mm. I think it used to be haircutters ten years ago. Yeah. And now I think it's definitely Where do you find your inspiration okay. from for colour? I look um about a year or two ago actually, I actually unfollowed on my professional Instagram everything hair related for a while to try and switch the algorithm of what I was seeing. Because I follow a lot of fashion, wildlife, mm -hmm. um food yeah and so i tend to look at those things okay. um birds a lot actually yeah i mean they're very mm, colorful birds are pretty impressive you get yeah. a really unusual mix of colors and you're yeah. like oh that really works yeah um and now obviously added back in hair but it was really interesting because i think when you're looking for inspiration you don't necessarily want to look at the hairdressers mm. but then that's all that I was seeing yeah, everywhere. It's yeah, like, oh, I yeah. just need to not see hair for a while. <laughs> no, you have, um, to, you have yeah. to make an effort to find inspiration, I think. Sometimes yeah. People, I think people often think inspiration comes to you or you come across it, but you have to go looking for it. And then once you start, you can't stop, and everything you see, you're like, oh. <laughs> you'll be like making breakfast and blending some blueberries, and go, oh, look what happens if I add more yogurt. Oh, you get a pastel purple, and yeah, and that's how it starts. Nice. Yeah. It's definitely a double-edged sword. We have a little joke in our salon, because um, obviously all our, our colour range has numbers, and I'll say to um, Gosha that works with us, oh, shall we go for a coffee in the morning? I'll meet you at 
ash, 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 uh, ash golden blonde. <laughs> and she was like, oh yeah, 710, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> and everyone's like, what are you talking about? And we literally talk in colour all the time. It's oh, just a bit, a bit of fun and it's sort of, you know, oh, we'll I be on the tube and we'll be colour matching everyone's hair. So what would you, what would you do on that one? And what do you think that is? <laughs> and now the apprentices are doing it too and it's really funny. You know, they're like, oh, what time am I finishing work? And um, it'll be like 9pm on a late night. And they'll say, oh, so a dark blonde o'clock. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Oh, I love that. That's I really cool. It. No I one's like come that. late yet, so they all know their colour numbers, which is good. I love the way we describe hair colour. That's another thing. I'm like, yeah. coming back to the whole names and mm. yeah. jargon. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. You, you look at a colour and you're like, what is an iced peanut? Yeah. Yeah, what's what it, is mushroom that? Blonde what, what's a mushroom blonde? Yeah. yeah. What, what sort of mushroom are we talking yeah. about? And then you go into That's like a true. mushroom obsession. So yeah. Yeah. Do you think well, about overcomplicating it with the jargon, like the? I think it, again, it's consumer based. I think it gives customers a visual. Mm. It does. Everyone likes the sound of a caramel when you're cold yeah. and it's raining and you come in from the rain and you think, oh, should we do a nice caramel balayage today? And they'll go, ooh, yeah. <laughs> now, that brings us to the end of our time with you. Thank you so much for joining me, ladies. Thank you, Renee. Yeah, yeah. Thank, Thank you so for much, having Kate. me. Thank, Thank you for you. coming to see, see us. Yeah. I love our colourful conversations. <laughs> so... Thank you very much. Keep on doing what you do. Thank you so much to Kerry and Renee. That was great fun. We certainly got through a lot of aspects of the colour industry, I think. If you like what you heard, then please do visit our library of conversations on Spotify, iTunes or the Respect for Hair website, where you can find a list of podcasts talking about all aspects of the hairdressing industry over the past few years. Until next time, goodbye.